Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. America's Trucking Network with Steve Summers. Back at it for our final hour. On a Friday morning as we head into uh, yeah, the Here It Comes the Weekend. The Labor Day weekend. We kind of say farewell to summer. Everybody starts covering up the swimming pools, shutting them down as the nighttime lows begin to get chillier and chillier and another summer in the books, which honestly, I'm not too too sad to say farewell to the summer of 2020. I'd be, I'd be happy to say farewell to the entire year. Uh, under our industry headlines uh, from our friends at OOIDA, the owner-operator Independent Drivers Association fighting for the rights of the men and women behind the wheel for 45 years now. Get your membership started today by dialing toll-free. It's 800-444-5791. From CDL Life, Illinois authorities investigating after bones were discovered at the site of a former truck wash that they believe may be connected uh, to a now-incarcerated serial killer who worked as an over-the-road truck driver. According to the report from the local news outlet WGLC, on Wednesday, police discovered uh, several bones at the site of a former truck wash in LaSalle, Illinois. That's not clear yet whether the bones are human. Further investigation uh, was delayed due to the heat issues, they tell us, with the cadaver dogs. But police began investigating after 61-year-old convicted serial killer and former Ohio-based long-haul truck driver, Delmas Colvin, who was dubbed the Interstate Strangler. He appeared on a true crime podcast entitled Where the Bodies Are Buried. During the phone interview, Calvin described meeting a woman at a truck stop in LaSalle and then disposing of her body at the truck wash. He said that he then transported her clothing with him to a garbage in a garbage bag to Council Bluffs, Iowa. Calvin has admitted to strangling six prostitutes to death in Ohio between 2000 and 2005. He also pleaded guilty to the murder of a woman in Atlantic City in 1987. He's currently serving two life sentences plus 30 years. Colvin has previously told police he's killed around 50 people in varying locations around the country. Either way, the investigation into the remains that were discovered Wednesday 
uh, being spearheaded by the Illinois State Police. But how spooky is that? So, yeah, from behind bars, yeah, kind of disclosing where the bodies are. Well, then Alabama authorities have released information on a major cash seizure they performed during a roadside safety inspection. According to the news release from the Alabama Law Enforcement Agency, uh, the seizure happened this past Monday near Evergreen. Troopers with the Alabama, Alabama Law Enforcement Agency's Motor Carrier Unit stopped a tractor trailer on I-65 and performed a safety inspection. During the inspection, troopers discovered $1,030,000 in cash. That's a lot of money to be carrying around. How much space do you need to carry a million dollars? I mean, the largest bill in circulation is the $100 bill. Uh, the Alabama State Bureau of Investigation was called to the scene to assist in the investigation. The two occupants of the truck were eventually released, but the cash was detained. Incident is still under investigation. Uh, they say no further information is currently available, but, well, uh, most likely somebody's drug money. And whoever's money that was is not going to be happy that the couriers didn't get it to its destination. Uh-oh. All right, Mike Huckabee, I mentioned at the top of the hour, uh, what he had to say this past day. He says it was awfully sporting of a Democratic data and analytics firm to tell us in advance how they plan to steal the presidential election. According to them, And I saw this headline the other day. Trump may, quote, appear to have won on election night, even by a landslide. But that will be a red mirage because so many Democrats will vote by mail that days later, the race will shift to Biden. Now, that's the innocent sounding version, he says. Those of a more suspicious nature might read it like this. We will find out on election night how many bogus mail-in ballots we need to manufacture to overcome Trump's lead. Then, if anyone questions those ballots, we'll accuse the Republicans of trying to suppress the vote. And we'll send our Antifa shock troops to burn down cities unless Trump concedes and hands over the White House. And if you think this can't happen, I'll refer you to this story in which a Democratic operative described how easy it is to steal elections and how he's been rigging them in New Jersey for years. I hope the Republican National Committee is making plans to fight this. It has been reported already that Democrats have lined up at least 600 lawyers to challenge the vote. This could be an open war, and we better be prepared. All right, the, the, this story he's talking about takes us to a couple days ago from the Western Journal. Mail-in ballots are a major ingredient in getting away with voter fraud, hmm. according to a New York Post report. 
which quoted a Democratic political operative from New Jersey who claims he's been beating the system for years. The Post did not name its source. The operative fears prosecution if his name is revealed. Well, duh. He's been involved in elections at all levels in multiple places across New Jersey, as well as races in New York and Pennsylvania. The sources identity, rap sheet, and long history working as a consultant to various campaigns has been confirmed by the Post. The smaller the race, the easier it is to do, according to the operative, about committing fraud. So how does that play in the 2020 election in which President Trump has claimed that mass mailing of ballots is going to lead to fraud? while the Democrats push back against him. Uh, The quote from President Trump, for our country to be sending 80 million unsolicited ballots is very unfair and a roadmap to disaster. Even recent small and easier to control elections, which did this, are a catastrophic disaster. Fraudulent and missing ballots like never seen before. 20 and 30% off. Stop. Now, the operative noted, impacting the right contests can have a consequence far greater than the number of ballots involved. New York State already knows a thing or two about mail-in voting going off the rails. About 84,000 mailed-in votes were thrown out in their June Democratic primary. The operative stressed, ignorance will not be bliss when the ballots have all been cast. This is a real thing. And there's going to be a effing war come November 3rd over this stuff. And if they knew how the sausage was made, they could fix it. Although making ballots is as simple as getting access to a good copier, the required return envelopes are a bit more secure than the ballot. You could never recreate the envelope. So just like flimflam men who go house to house to defraud the unsuspecting. His team would hit the neighborhoods, talking voters into giving them the ballots to mail. All you need is a little steam, a little bit of a switcheroo to swap the original ballot with a doctored one, and the ballot reads the way the operative and whoever hired him wants it to read. It doesn't take long. Five minutes per ballot tops, he says. The final step to pull the wool over the eyes of election officials is to mail a few here and mail a few there so no one gets suspicious. Having the right connection sometimes simplifies life, he says. You have a postman who's a rabid anti-Trump guy, and he's working in Bedminster or some Republican stronghold. He can make those filled-out ballots... And knowing 95% are going to a Republican, he can just throw those in the garbage. I suggested that several weeks ago. Knowing the highest concentration of vulnerable voters is in nursing homes. The operative told the Post, working them is important. There are nursing homes where the nurse is actually a paid operative. They go room by room by room to these old people who still want to feel like they're relevant. Adding them 
members of his team literally fill it out for him. The operative said that even in-person voting can be manipulated by using imposters to sign into voter registration books or buying or paying residents of homeless shelters to cast ballots. There's not a thing new about these techniques. And according to Hans von Spokensby of the Heritage Foundation, everything he's talking about is perfectly possible. I hear some saying that it's going to get ugly. If we think what we've been seeing in the streets in the last few months has been bad, batting down the hatches come November. I hope that's not true. But in my heart of hearts, I, I think it could be a realistic possibility. All right, but get back to your calls momentarily. It's 888-860-8785 here on America's Trucking Network. on 275 the loop and i got a message from kentucky ken and it, it shut down both directions uh what do you say both east and west as apparent apparently there's tension guide wires down uh no injuries but we got to make sure that the wires are not hot and so it shut down until duke energy comes out to check the wires have no idea how long that'll take, but it's, he said, 275 at the 77.8 mile marker. Now, I have no idea where the 77.8 mile marker is. Uh, I know 275 is like, what, an 87 mile loop around? Because we were just talking about that yesterday morning when they're talking about that, uh, that, that big rally parade along 275 uh, one week from tomorrow on Saturday the 12th. But uh, there you go. Heads up out there. And back to the phones we go. Well, good morning, Glenn. Uh, hey, Mr. Summers. <clears throat> Listen, I just want to throw something out there that I've heard twice on the Mark Levin show about uh, how the president will be chosen, uh, you know, if uh, all the ballots ain't counted. Hey, I want you to remember that in history, you know, a couple of times I think we've had uh, elections so close that the parties got together and need, need a, at least one time. Nobody had the number of electoral votes they needed, and they worked something out. And basically what Mark Levin said is that uh, a, there is a system set up, and uh, the Speaker of the House, whether Republican or Democrat, whether they're bald or they just had their hair blow dried, it's not going to matter because of, of, of who's ever on the ballot in November, one of those people, mm-hmm. will be the president on, I think it's January 20th. Correct. They will take the oath of office. Okay? And so, I guess I mean, you can go how, how, did he, how did he explain? Because, you know, what I'm hearing is with all the mail-in ballots, all right, so you, yeah, there could be a number of states where come, I think December 14th the date where they, they have to get together the state with the Electoral College and say uh, Donald Trump or Joe Biden won uh, this particular state. We'll say Ohio, for instance, because we're doing a lot of mail-in. But if they can't come up with an answer to give then those electoral votes are, I, I think, forfeited for the uh, time well, being. Goes, I think it goes like this. If, if there's not enough electoral votes... Uh, for either candidate. If, if neither one right. can beat, the, what is it, 270 they got to get to? 
Right. It goes, uh, I think this is how he tried to explain it. It goes uh, into the house, and then the house will be divided up by states, not by individuals, but by states. And the, and the uh, representatives of those states will choose an elector. I think this is how he explained it. And that elector will cast one vote for either of the candidates running for president. And that is how the president will be chosen. And there's no way to guarantee, per se, if you don't, if they can't come up, they say via the ballots, who won. Uh, how do you know? You know, you, you could uh, have the electors you know, choose, maybe not what the people wanted. Well, just remember that in the beginning. That's what I, I, I you know, kind of cracks me up sometimes when I hear this. Just remember that in the beginning, the votes were cast by people who went to the polls on foot or took a mule, and, and it took a. Uh, days afterwards for the votes that were counted for the number to get to where it had to go. Yeah. So a lot of votes were uh, crammed in there uh, illegally, and a lot of votes weren't counted. But you've got to have them there on time, or otherwise they move on. And if they don't have enough, if a state, if they declare a state not able to, to do it, and they don't have enough electors to elect the president, I think what Mark Levin said, it goes into the House and what happens is the members of the House of Representatives of your state, they will choose one elector, and that one elector will cast one vote, and whoever of those votes has the most will become president. Okay? But you can go to his website. I'm sure he's got it on there somewhere. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, okay. it sure sounds like that could get awful messed up and nasty. Well, please remember, it, it was messy in the beginning. And and they, what the Democrats have tried to do is just take it back and make it messy again. Okay? Gotcha. All right. Thank you much for trying to clarify there, Glenn. Have a good morning. All right. Uh, what a, the, the deal on 275 is said it's between the AA Highway and Taylor Mill. So uh, they're in Kentucky. All right. I think Rob's got the very latest on what's happening there just ahead in our news update. Meanwhile, lines available as we make our way into a Friday. Want to jump on board? It's 888-860-8785. 860-TRUK. So we head into a Labor Day weekend where you know, some may see a little bit of snow over the Labor Day weekend, even on Labor Day. And elsewhere, you'll be baking in a record, potentially record heat. That's in the southwest. More on our traveler's weather coming up here on ATN. I just shared the story, and uh, so you could see the photograph. We got uh, kind of an update to a story we shared uh, was it last evening, evening before, about uh, a truck driver that was murdered over the weekend uh, in Missouri. Uh, 68-year-old. Missouri truck driver beaten to death in what police are calling a road rage incident. Uh, The family of Ron Lawson of Winfield, Missouri, uh, said he passed away Sunday following an altercation along westbound Highway 40, Interstate 64 in O'Fallon, Missouri. Uh, He was actually off duty. He was in his personal vehicle at the time, which was a dark blue Ford F-150. Officers responding to a report of a fire. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right on the interstate about 11.30 Sunday morning when officials arrived... Uh, they discovered the 68-year-old unconscious and in critical condition in his pickup truck. Witnesses told investigators a man assaulted Lawson on the side of the road before getting into a black Dodge pickup truck pulling a trailer and fleeing the scene. Uh, Lawson was taken to the hospital where he later died from blunt force trauma to the head. But witnesses revealed the black Dodge was parked behind Lawson's Ford in the westbound lanes at the time of the assault. A probable cause statement issued by authorities indicate the suspect ran towards the victim and punched him in the face, uh, at which point he fell to the ground in the right lane of the interstate before being punched at least one additional time, after which he was picked up by the uh, the guy assaulting him and put back in his truck, unconscious. Uh, following Lawson's death, the highway patrol asked for the public's help in locating the suspect. And that's what we shared. And I, I mentioned the other night that you know, try to put yourself, uh, remember where you might have been, and you may have dash cam video that could help identify the vehicle. You might even have a license plate. Uh, of that Dodge Ram. Uh, Don't know if it was someone listening to this program or not, but that's exactly what they found. Someone found dash cam footage of the altercation, uh, which authorities then distributed to the public in hopes of identifying the person. Uh, So the dash cam video, as they went by, actually caught the individual in the assault. Upon the, the photos being released... The employer of one Joshua David O'Keefe, 39 years old of Troy, Missouri, contacted law enforcement, said, uh, yeah, we recognize the white trailer that he was pulling uh, with his truck. They did not identify the employer, but they said O'Keefe sometimes takes the trailer without permission. But additionally, the employer said, uh, kind of odd, he called in sick to work on Monday, which was unusual. Investigators say they received multiple other tips which lead them led them to positively identifying O'Keefe as the suspect. Uh, they later reported uh, they, they located O'Keefe's wife driving the black Dodge that was involved in the assault. She told police she doesn't know where he is and refused to answer any questions without a lawyer present. So as of publication time, he's still at large. Warrant has been issued. Uh, let's see. First degree assault, second degree murder. Uh, here you go. O'Keefe has a criminal record spanning at least 20 years. He was called a one-man crime spree by a former circuit judge following a 2009 conviction for robbery. Kind of guy that shouldn't be out on the streets, right? Uh, Let's see, a probable cause statement noted that he has a criminal history with numerous assaults, 
uh, right now on probation for an assault charge stemming from an incident in July. Uh, Lawson's son says, yeah, I want some kind of answers. If this person is a man, he'll come forward and be brought to justice so my father can have justice. Okay, so there you go. One man crime spree. They don't know at this point what precipitated the road rage incident. But uh, he leaves behind three children, seven grandchildren, and his elderly mother. In addition to be a truck driver, he was a father with, uh, said his father was a former volunteer firefighter. But again, I I shared the story because they've got a picture of the uh, guy, O'Keefe, who they're looking for. The suspect, uh, you might recognize the guy. Uh, Good morning, Marlene. Hi, how are you? Well, I'm doing all right. Happy Friday. Oh, yeah. Thank God it's Friday. Yes. Yeah, I was calling about the uh, ballots and stuff. I've been in my place almost 10 years, um, just a few months short of it. And I've got several ballots, three of them, from people who haven't lived there in almost 10 years. Really? I tried to call the Board of Elections, left a message. Nobody's called me back. But um, that's just pretty sketchy. And the one gentleman whose ballot is there, I looked him up after we bought our house. He's been deceased for about 12 years. Wow. So this is in Kentucky? Yes. So I'm guessing they they have not purged their voter registration rolls in quite some time then. In quite a while. It's just sad to think that these people get paid year-round to do this, and, and they can't seem to... They can pay decent money too to work in these voter registration. So were these the, were these the forms like your voter regi- uh, your your voter uh, request form? Like you send it back to request an actual ballot? This was a letter from the voter, and I did open one. Um, I grabbed it. I thought it was mine from the voter thing because my three boys just the first year to vote, and I just opened it and I looked at it and went, "Oh my God, it's." Um, there's a card in there for each one of them. I can feel it in the other two envelopes, but I didn't open them. Yeah. But um, it is them requesting, you know, updates if we need it, but here's your, your mail-in voter card. It's just kind of scary. So you've got those cards. Technically, you could go in on Election Day and present that card and vote for whoever that individual is. Probably, yeah, I wouldn't do that, but that's what you could do. Well, I mean, uh, that's that. The thing is, there's a lot of people that would do that, and you you got three. In yeah, your, they would. You got three in your mailbox. Oh yeah, and it's just how many other people are getting these? It's got to be a tremendous amount, and I, I just don't understand all the fairness stuff that is going on. It's going to affect this election, and yeah, November third, I'm trying to get ready myself. I think it's going to hit the fan. It's just. It's too scary out there. Right? You hear stuff all the time. People get ready for this and that. You know, we hear the hotheads getting ready this weekend in Louisville should be a mess. Yeah. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I just, it's very terrifying. Well, interesting scenario. Thanks for sharing, Marlene. See what's wrong with that picture. Ah, voting by mail. Why? Why should we be concerned? Doesn't happen. Voter fraud. No, it's just a, that's an overblown myth. 
Uh, I got a message from Spaceman. We were talking earlier about the Sturgis. Someone questioning, have we seen a rash of COVID cases because of it? Uh, He said the city of Sturgis offered free testing to their entire population. Yeah, Sturgis, about 6,000 people, somewhere in that vicinity. Now, I said 650 people took the test. Uh, They got like 26 positive uh, two weeks after the rally. Which, I don't know, all things considered, that's, that's not too bad if you ask me, but... All right, we get a quick break in here, and uh, I want to jump on board. It's 888-860-8785 here on America's Trucking Network. Ah, what do you say? The the irony. The hunter in Oregon. Tillamook, Oregon. Ah, he's a bow hunter. An archery hunter. Uh, the hunter was killed by the enraged elk last weekend uh, when the hunter went in search of the animal. Apparently, he had injured the bull elk on Saturday with a bow and arrow. He was hunting on private property, uh, but he couldn't kill the 5 by 5 animal that day, and he also failed to find it before the sun went down, so he decided to search for the injured bull the next morning. According to state police, uh, he and the property owner went out about 9.15 Sunday morning searching for the animal. He located the elk. He tried to kill it again, but the injured animal attacked him, gored him in the neck with his antlers. The landowner attempted to help him, but he sustained fatal injuries. According to police, they said after the investigation, uh, the elk was killed, and the elk's meat was donated to the Tillamook County Jail. How about that? In another incident, an Arkansas hunter was killed after a deer that he had shot, thought was dead, uh, allegedly got back up and attacked him. Uh, This is going back to late last year. Uh, The victim, an experienced hunter, uh, lived in Arkansas for several years. According to a spokesperson for the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission, the 66-year-old was using a muzzleloader when he shot the buck. Uh, Apparently, he went over to the buck. It wasn't dead. It got up and attacked him. Uh, Guy apparently called his wife. She rushed him to a nearby hospital where he was declared dead. Uh, they shared that he had puncture wounds, but they weren't sure if, if he died from the actual animal attack or maybe he had a heart attack because they did not do an autopsy. Okay. Boy, there's more dangers than I realized to be out there hunting. Uh, let me see. Back to the phones. Uh, is it Mikey? Mickey. Hello, Mickey. Uh, good morning, Steve. Uh, I'm retired LTL carrier. Uh... Well, several years back, I used to listen to you guys on a regular basis. But my point of calling is, uh, I listen to you online right now. That guy you were talking about with that road rage incident. Uh, yes. That's, that's pretty much local here in St. Louis. It is If I caught the news right, the fellow that's accused of doing that, he turned himself into the highway patrol last night about 5 p.m. Oh, okay. So that, that that's the O'Keefe guy, right? 
Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's his name. They showed pictures on the local news of the pickup he was driving with the trailer and what have you. Oh. And I'm pretty sure it was the same guy that, that you're talking about that turned himself into highway patrol last night. Like you, you may be able to verify that. I, I should have done it before I called it. We're just getting early and you know pretty close to closing. Oh yeah, down. you know, getting close to quitting time for me. So. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, good to hear you guys and uh, some of your regular callers like uh, Spaceman and, and the rest of them. Uh, it's pretty good to listen to you online. Thank you so much for chiming in. Mickey, have a great Labor Day weekend. All right. Uh, let me see. I got an update on the 275 thing here. Ken says uh, the first Duke truck is on the scene. Uh, ETA on. Supervision is one to one and a half hours. The wires are not currently hot, but could return hot. So it's going to be a while. Don't know how long that might be, but hey, thank you so much for the update there. Kentucky Ken, uh, who's on the crash scene there. Uh, The attention guide wires. And uh, Barb, good morning. Hey, Steve. I, on that lady, I didn't catch all the story on that lady about getting her applications, but everybody's getting those cards in the mail. And then you could fill those out. You send them in, and that's a request for your absentee ballot. They said you cannot double double vote because you, if, you, if you call and request an absentee ballot, then you decide to go to the polls and vote, then you can vote a provisional ballot. But they will. Not, you can't. Your your vote may not count if you if you've already re- requested an absentee ballot. So you're you're not not voting twice. Because I was concerned myself, and I called him, and, and I had a long conversation with him. Yeah, her concern, Barb, was that she she re, I think she's been in her home for about ten months, and yeah, she, I, she received applications for from three different people that have lived there over the years that don't live there now. One of them's been dead for twelve years. Okay, but I, I don't know. I, I have not. I don't know how they're getting a, a ballot that's already filled out. I had heard that this happened over in in the western part of the state, the country, that people were getting these ballots and all they had to do was sign them. But it's what they're saying. What because I couldn't. I did not understand the difference between the absentee ballot and a mail-in ballot. And they said the mail-in ballots they're, they're using the same term as an absentee. Do you send those in? And you have to send those in to get your ballot, and you have to send them back in this little white. And I see, I don't know if you voted absentee or not, but you have to send them back in this envelope that they mail them to you in. If you don't send them back in that envelope and have your information on it, then they are not counted. And if you if you voted if you requested an absentee, they noted on there that you have requested an absentee ballot. So if you go to the poll then you get a provisional ballot. If they know if they if you change right, right. Time, go to the poll, then you get a provisional ballot. And and they're supposed to be able to determine that uh, you had actually mailed in a ballot, which right. it's just going to get awfully confusing. Uh, you could have an outlandish number of people going in requesting provisional ballots, and, and all those are the kind of those are the sort of things where the lawyers are going to say. Oh, no, 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 we got, we, we got to count those. No, we can't count those. It, and meanwhile, everything just, everything's on hold. And yeah, the trust in the, the outcome of the election really just gets a big red flag and a big question mark. Yeah, from both sides of the aisle. Does, you know, will anyone have any actual confidence 
in what the supposed actual outcome is. All right, we get a final time out here. We return right after this Friday morning, headed into the weekend on America's Trucking Network. All right, rolling toward news uptight time, rolling towards wrapping things up for the work week. And headed into the Labor Day weekend, farewell summertime. Uh, Back to the Sturgis thing. The Minnesota Department of Health confirming a day before yesterday one COVID death supposedly linked to the Sturgis motorcycle rally. Guy in his 60s with underlying conditions. And, you know, that's what I'd like to know. Again, uh, what were his underlying conditions? How significant were they? He, He was hospitalized and died supposedly from the COVID. Now, the health department says uh, 50 other Minnesotans who attended the rally have also contracted the disease. And many other people contracted the virus through secondary transmission from those who attended the event. Yeah, the cases that have intervened, that we've uh, interviewed, rather, the cases we've interviewed that attended Sturgis had indicated they attended multiple events, stayed in multiple campgrounds, were inside, outside, and, you know, given the number of individuals that were participating, I think it's fair to say pretty much everyone was in a crowded setting. And he wants this to serve as a lesson for others. This underscores how important it is to follow the guidelines from the White House and Dr. Scarf. <laughs> Yeah, Dr. Burks. Yeah, I guess she was there over the weekend. She spoke about the three pillars of COVID prevention, social distancing, wearing a mask, and avoiding large crowds. We need people to do all three of those, not just one. And he wants people to remember what the risk is. If you gather in a large group, even when you're outside, being outside does not eliminate your risk. Yeah, if if you're not socially distant, if you're not wearing a mask, you know, if you're not being attentive to all these measures, washing your hands and all that, it's not going to save you from the COVID. Well, how many other? As of Wednesday, they said there were 11 other states that have confirmed people that had attended the rally. They didn't say the, the numbers. Yeah. Other stories said what was about 300 people around the country that have supposedly attended the Sturgis. Uh, Okay, so real quick, like, uh, in the final moments, message from Mike, problem in Georgia. Uh, When it comes to the mail-in voting, once it's been mailed, if they don't get it by mail within three days... Uh, they weren't going to count it. So if you mail them, but the mail gets lost, you're kind of SOL. All right. And I see a lot of problems like that. Thank you so much for listening in, Mike. And thank you for listening in as well. Have a great Labor Day weekend. See you back here sometime next week on America's Trucking Network. This is News Radio 700 WL.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.